All right, Isaiah 9 and 6. When you're there, just say amen. And the word of the Lord says this. For unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given, and the government will be upon his shoulders. And his name will be called Wonderful, Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, and Prince of Peace. Let's pray. Father, I thank you for this word. God, I praise you, Lord, that you've already gone before me and you're with me. And I thank you, Lord God, that you will just direct everything I say tonight. Jesus, I thank you that people's ears are open, hearts are ready to receive your word. Thank you, God, that you sent your son to us. We praise you. We give you glory that we would truly have nothing if it were not for Jesus. We love you so much. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So the purpose of Christmas, of course, is this scripture right here. This was prophesied in the book of Isaiah 600 years before Jesus ever stepped on the scene. It says, for unto us a child is born. 600 years is a long time to get a prophecy. Do you guys really think about that? Like we live a good, what, 80, 85 600 years this prophecy came to the book of Isaiah before Jesus came. Now unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given, and the government will be on his shoulders. His name will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. That's the purpose of Christmas. Right now, though, however, people say that we're in the middle of a holiday. It's a holiday season. But a holiday is really defined as a day of festive recreation where no work is done. That's the holiday. But we know that's not what Christmas is all about. Although we appreciate the days off, amen. We don't appreciate the kids' days off so much. Can I get an amen? But we do love the days off, okay? But a season, maybe people say it's the holiday season or tis the season or it is the season. Um, that's just a time of a major holiday. So if people say season's greetings or happy holidays, basically they're saying happy time off work. That's why we as Christians should say, oh, Merry Christmas, I immediately say it. I say it loud on purpose when I hear, happy holidays, Merry Christmas, because I'm not having a happy day off. I'm celebrating the birth of Jesus Christ. That's right. It's his birthday. It's all about Christ. That's what Christmas means. Christmas means a celebration of Christ's birth. So it's not just a title. It actually has purpose behind it. So, of course, the meaning of Christmas is saying, I'm celebrating Christ. So there's a difference when we believe and understand the purpose of Christmas. Um, and here it is right there. The government will be upon his shoulders. That's the first thing that is stated in the book of Isaiah 6, 9 and 6. The government, of course, not the worldly government. We know this, right? The government, not the world. Don't look at the world. The world runs the world. Amen? I said a few weeks ago or maybe a couple weeks ago, we really need to be praying for this next election. Can I get an amen? Like I'm talking full fast and prayer. Like, right? Like never before. And we particularly don't get too political in the church because we purposely try to stay away from that. I'm just saying we need to fast and pray, okay, because I'm not trying to go to war with everybody. Amen. Not going to say anything else about that. Um, but the government, not the worldly government, but the government of the kingdom of God. And I've taught this before. The word of God, of course, says your kingdom come, your will be done on earth that is, is in heaven. We are in a different kingdom, in a different government church, Right? Our ways are not the same ways as the world's. Our systems are different. We are in a kingdom system. In fact, in the kingdom system, it's always opposite. If you want to receive, you got to give, right? If you, if you, want, if you, want, if you want to reap, you got to sow. In the world, it's opposite from that, right? It's just, it's complete flip-flop. But in the kingdom world, it's, it's the opposite. You know, you have to have faith. You can't see it. You got to see it to believe it. The world says, I'll believe it if I see it. In Christian kingdom land, I don't see it, but I believe it, Right? 
So it cannot function without laws, of course. No kingdom can function without laws. There's a standard of conduct that must be kept in a kingdom, which comes from our Ten Commandments. That's why we have those ten great ideas that God had to write down for us because in our flesh we just didn't get it. Like, don't kill people. Don't covet other people's stuff. Don't sleep with other people's husbands or wives. <laughs> those sound like small things, but God said, oh, no, we got to write this down. <laughs> so we can understand it and get it all clear. Honor your mom and dad. Had to be written down, right? So those are the set standards, set laws. And, of course, Jesus Christ came to the earth not to kill the law or destroy the law or, or uh, discard the law, but he came to fulfill it, meaning that we can live according to the law because Jesus Christ did it for us. So we don't have to strive to keep those ten laws in action because most people will only pick two or three of the easy laws and forget the seven. But because Jesus did it for us, we can get behind Jesus or in Jesus, and he says, I fulfilled it. I've already done it. All right? This is good teaching. It's, it's, it's Bible 101, okay? So, but, but we, we are able to keep the law or live the law or live according to God's laws because of Jesus. Outside of Jesus, we cannot do it. It's only fulfilled in Christ, okay? So here it is, Luke 9, 1 and 2 says this. Luke 9, 1 and 2 says, Then he called his 12 disciples together and gave them power and authority over all demons and to cure diseases. He sent them to preach the kingdom of God to heal and to heal the sick. Here it is, Jesus gave instructions to the disciples to do what? First of all, Jesus gave the disciples power and authority over what? Over spiritual high places, right? We as Christians, because of Jesus Christ, we have power and we have authority through Jesus and over all the demons, right? Remember on Sunday I taught that we're not going to give the devil any credit anymore, right? We have power over the enemy, right? We have authority over all demons and cure diseases. Look at this important thing here. If anybody's sick tonight, we call you healed in Jesus' name. I don't care if it's a common cold, you're healed in Jesus' name, Amen. If it's the flu, okay, you're healed in Jesus' name. We're just going to pray it's one day, not three days. Amen? You don't have to give in to sickness. You don't have to give in to disease, although it's very apparent. We still believe by faith that we have power over that. We can heal diseases. And then Jesus sent them to preach the kingdom of God and to heal the sick. Here's the purpose of the kingdom. The kingdom isn't just to gain stuff. Although we love stuff, it's not just to gain wealth, which wealth is good. It's not just to restore relationships. That's great, too. The kingdom of God is here for us to heal the sick, amen, to have authority in our lives. The kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. There's no sick people in heaven, no broke people in heaven, no arguing people in heaven, no crazy people in heaven, right? That can come down here in our lives because of the kingdom of God, Amen. So the, thy kingdom come, So and it's all backed on Jesus. It says this, that the government will be on his shoulders, meaning it's backed by him. I know I'm reviewing, but he's backed by Jesus. In other words, Jesus backs it. Jesus says, okay, this is supposed to happen here. They're praying it, so therefore it will happen. Amen. That's why we pray differently. We think differently. You know, the, the world says it's not enough. We say, God, you're, the more, more, you're more than enough. You're the God of more than enough, right? So then the word of God says that he shall be called wonderful. Wonderful means to us that it's excellent, it's marvelous, it's astonishing. Definition of wonderful, synonyms of wonderful, excellent, marvelous, and astonishing. It's wonderful to us who believe. Jesus is wonderful to those who believe. 
If you don't believe in Jesus, it's not wonderful. It just looks like a bunch of rules, a bunch of rhetoric, a bunch of crazy talk, right? But because we believe in Jesus, he therefore is wonderful. It means that he is, he is um, beyond speculation, right? Uh, it, 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 we're not surprised by what God does, right? And, and we don't think things are strange. The things that God does in our life are not strange to us because we believe. And I'm talking strange things like, like the, the people that can't walk, walking all of a sudden. People that were dead are rose. Come on, amen. They said they were dead on the table, but they're lit alive right now. You know, strange things. You used to do crack, now you love Jesus. That's strange. But because we believe, we're thinking, man, that's wonderful. But to people that don't believe, they see it as strange. They see it as surprising, and they also speculate at the possibility that God can touch someone so much that they're not the same person. In Matthew 21, 14 through 16, the Word of God says this, Matthew 21, 14, 16, Then the blind and the lame came to him in the temple, and he healed them. Capital H, he, Jesus, healed them. But when the chief priests and scribes saw the wonderful things that he did, and the children out in the temple saying, Hosanna to the son of David. They were indignant and said to him, do you hear what these are saying? And Jesus said to them, yes, have you never read out of the mouths of babes and nursing infants will be perfect praise? That's what Jesus says. But let's go back to here. Let's picture this. It's Jesus in the temple. Jesus in the church. This is the church. Jesus is here. And my God, can you believe it? Blind people can see and lame can walk. Isn't that amazing, right? And the pastors come outside, and they're looking at the wonderful things Jesus is doing, and they have an attitude. Jesus, what do you think you're doing healing the people in the church? How dare you let the blind people see and let the people that can't walk, walk? In fact, the Word of God says they were indignant, which tells me they had an attitude about it. They were catching butterflies. Who do you think you are healing people in the temple? Catching butterflies. And so they're upset about it because they're like, wait a minute, this should not be happening right now. It's wonderful, but I'm suspicious. I'm looking at what are you really doing? What, is this a magic trick? Oh, no, surely you're not the Messiah, and surely you're not here to heal people. We talk about one that will come one day to heal, but you can't be it because you're too common looking. Now, you realize I know Jesus looked common because when Judas was selling out Jesus, Judas said to the priests, there's a whole crowd of people. Judas says to the prison guards, rather, the one I kiss is Jesus, which tells me he blended in with everybody. He didn't have a gold aura about him or a, oh, you know, as he walked by. He just looked like everybody else, that the guards couldn't even see him. And Judas says, the one I kiss is he. That's how I know he looked like the average person. That's why I love how God can use anybody, right? So here it is. The, uh, the priests have an attitude at the wonderful things he did. And then this is what really got the pastors of the church mad. The kids. We're saying Hosanna to the son of David. The kids that they've been teaching that a Messiah is going to come one day. The kids, the hope and the future of the church at that time. Hey, one day he's going to get here. We don't know when, but he's coming. The priests have taught these kids to carry on tradition and teaching. And the kids are being affected by God in the house. They have an attitude about it. Have you ever went to somebody and told them good news about your life? 
And you said, my God, I can't believe that God did this for me. I didn't think it would happen, but he did a miracle in my life, and I'm just so thankful. And the good person says, man, I praise God with you. I know I'm next. God can do anything. Won't he do it, right? But then you go to another person that is your sister in Christ, and you say, man, God did this for me. I never thought he would do it. I can't believe it. I'm just so thankful to God he did it. And they say, well, was that really God? Well, are you sure you got the breakthrough? Well, I don't know. The loan might not go through. Uh, uh, uh. The Debbie down on your life. <laughs> Basically, what they're saying is, the, the person over here, man, that's wonderful. I believe. The person over here is, oh, that's too wonderful. I don't believe that. See, wonderful can go either way depending on your belief system. So here it is, the pastor's mad at the kids because the kids are saying, Hosanna, Hosanna. In other words, the children were saying, I have great adoration toward you. I'm using a term of endurement. There is no God like you. You are, you get all the praise, all the glory. You are the Christ. And then he says this, Hosanna in the highest, son of David. Now this is where the priests really got upset because they're speaking prophetically that the prophet has come to pass, the prophecy that Jesus is here from the lineage of David. Oh, ch children can't understand about what's really happening generationally. You'd realize this, that our kids can be more spiritually sound than we are. Our, our, our children have an amazing way of grasping into something that's happening supernatural and running with it without any question. Because children see things as wonderful. It's not strange to me. That could actually happen. In Luke 3.23, it says this. Luke 3.23, it starts with Jesus when he began his ministry, was about 30 years age, being the son, as was supposed, of Joseph. So it starts with Jesus, of course, being the son of Joseph, right? Hear this, Joseph, Joseph, you know, Mary and Joseph. And then a whole bunch of people come by, hell, I'm at and all the, I don't know their names, read them. Ver, <laughs> uh, the son of Moth, Matthias, I don't even want to say that name, because that's Joda. Okay, a whole bunch of people. And then here you go, go down to Luke 3, 23. The son of Malaya, the son of Mena, the son of Mathatha, the son of Nathan, the son of David. That's my whole point. We get to 31, it says the son of David. And then the verse 32 goes on to all the other sons of the, all the different names. Praise the Lord. Amen. And then finally, verse 38 says the son of Enos, the son of Seth, and the son of Adam, the son of God. My whole point of all this is that the Bible clearly describes the passage of the generational promise that the son of David would be the Messiah, starting from Adam, the son of God, going back, bam, 32, the 31, son of David, and then verse 23, the son of Joseph. Mary was significant to get Jesus here, but Joseph was significant to fulfill prophecy because Joseph is the one that's connected to all the sons that say that he comes from the son of David. And although Joseph was not his natural father, he was his adopted father, which is just as important or significant as a natural father, just as we are adopted in the kingdom of God through Christ. It's the same power, same connection, same heir, right? 
So, so when they say son of David, they're saying, ah, you're the one we've been waiting for. And the priests were indignant and upset and mad. But let me tell you, it is true. I said it last week. The God we serve is not just a, 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 something that might have happened. It's not coincidence. It was a supernatural shift that occurred in the earth, something that scholars were waiting for for years and years and years, that it is documented. It is historic. It is actually uh, history books even talk about it. You can read about the time of Herod when they were killing all the babies under two trying to find Jesus. They might not say who they're killing, but they do absolutely talk about the terrible time when all the babies of the land were killed under two years old, searching for Jesus, trying to kill our Messiah. It really happened. It really occurred. So it's an amazing truth that here it is. The wonderful things that happen are wonderful. To us, we believe, right? To us, it's a good wonderful. And we're not in the negative wonderful. Amen. And then the Word of God says that he shall be called Counselor. A counselor, I said it last week, a counselor is one that deals with our spiritually, emotional, and mental problems. Amen. Counselor, the greatest counseling session in the Bible is found in John 4. My favorite story, you all know it, the woman at the well. Amen. That was a counseling session, an unscheduled counseling session where this woman at the well comes down around noon, which was too late to get water, and Jesus just so happened to be waiting there. Jesus purposely said, I have to go through Samaria because Jesus knew there was a woman he would have to meet. He's in the wrong region, wrong time, but here comes this woman who was in the, at the wrong time, at the right place, at the wrong time, but the right time, amen? She comes through, she sees Jesus. Of course, Jesus says when she goes to the well, give me a drink. That's how the whole counseling session starts. Give me a drink. And then the woman says, how is it you being a Jew ask me, a Samaritan woman, for a drink? So right away she's like, I'm not good enough. We should not be talking. It's a separate colony. You should not even be here. Why are you talking to me? Please, I'm not even at your level. And Jesus said, if you knew the gift of God, in verse 10, 4 and 10, if you knew the gift of God, who is it that says, give me a drink? You would have asked him, and he would have given you living water. And then the woman gets really wise here and says, well, wait a minute, verse 11. Sir, I got nothing to draw the water with. The well is deep, but hey, tell me how you get that living water. Because the living water sounded like something good. She didn't want to work anymore, didn't want to work for it, amen? And so, of course, it says, verse 13, Jesus says to her, well, whoever drinks of this water will never thirst again, right? And so she's like, man, this is a great deal. Here you are sitting here for me. You're telling me if I go get this water, I'll never thirst again. Give me this water. I want it right now, Jesus. And then the woman said to him, give me this water so I might not thirst or come here to draw. And it's amazing that this scripture right here, my daughter Stella gave me great revelation and said, Mom, the woman here was thirsty. Now you all know in the 21st century, thirsty doesn't mean thirsty like I need something to drink. Right? Thirsty means I'm desperate for a man. I'll hook up with anybody. Did y'all know that? If, if you said, ooh, the thirst is real, <laughs> I'm wanting to be with somebody. Ooh, ooh, the thirst is real. He keep on calling me. He's thirsty. Do you guys get it? That, that's an actual term used. He's thirsty. And so I was like, oh, mom, they got that from the word. I'm like, my God in heaven, they did, because this woman here was thirsty. I'm going to prove it right here. Verse 16, Jesus says, forget about the water. Go get your husband. Tell him to come here. And she says, I have no husband. Okay, maybe this is my imagination. But according to her history, she was a woman who dated a lot. 
And I think I saw, or she thought, this was a new potential candidate. Let, okay, y'all can look at the Bible with spiritual eyes if you like to. But I look at it as this woman like men. And she's like, well, man, if you're supplying some stuff I don't need to work for, what you doing? I'm thirsty. <laughs> Jesus talks about the issue. The issue is if you drink this water, you never thirst again because I know you're thirsty. That's, my, that's your issue. And the woman's remedy is in relationships. She doesn't realize it's the physical thirst or the emotional thirst. Or she, she, thinks, she thinks what she's needing is, is she thinks it's a man that can quench her thirst. Jesus says, oh, no, you'll never drink again. And she's like, okay, well, I know how to fix my thirst. I'll just hook up with you, and you'll be my nice, tall glass of water. You think these words are just made up? Jesus says to her, verse 17, after she says, I ain't got no husband. He says, you've said, well, I have no husband, for you have had five husbands, and the one you're with now is not yours. In that, you spoke truly. Jesus gets right down to the issue. Daddy, isn't that what counseling does? They call them shrinks because they shrink down your problem. It seems like it's this, but no, really it's this. You thought it was you're thirsty in the water or you didn't want to work for the well, but no, it's just you keep on getting with men, and the moment you're done with them, you throw them away, and you go for the next man. And the issue is you're trying to find peace with a man, but man can never love you or fulfill you or make you feel whole. Man cannot quench your thirst. You need the true water, the living water, the real water. Stop drinking the Diet Dr. Pepper. You're going to be thirsty all day. Just because it's wet doesn't mean that it's water. Yeah. And the woman says, I perceive you're a prophet. Isn't that funny? <laughs> you told me all about myself. You're the man. But that's a counseling session. And that's what Jesus does as a counselor. If you go to him or if he finds you, and I love the fact that our Jesus will come find us. Can I get an amen? When we least expect it, he will come find us, whether it be through a person, through a television program, or just through the Spirit visiting you. He will tell you, oh, yeah, you think it's this, but really it's this. You think it's this issue. Let's talk about this issue. But really, in reality, has nothing to do with you don't trust people. You just don't forgive people. And because you don't forgive people, you don't trust anybody. So the real issue is forgiveness, not trust. Amen. So he's a counselor. He's also a mighty God. Amen. Mighty God. Mark 4, 35 through 39. And I'm just talking about where Jesus is, why he's a gift to us, and examples in the Bible. Mark 4, 35 through 39. It says this. On the same day, when evening had come, he said to them, let us cross over to the other side. Now when they had left the multitude, they took him, capital him, Jesus, along in the boat, as he was. And other little boats were also with him. And a great windstorm arose. Some translations say a mighty windstorm arose. And the waves beat into the boat so that it was already filling with water. But he was in the stern asleep on a pillow. And they awoke him and said to him, Teacher, do you not care that we're perishing? Then he, Jesus, rose and rebuked the wind and said to the sea, Peace be still. And the wind ceased and there was a great calm. Amen. Great story. We know the story verbatim. But listen, our God is a mighty God. 
I love this story because it says, Jesus says, let us cross over to the other side. In other words, Jesus is saying, listen, I've got an assignment for you, and we're going to go. We're going to get there. If Jesus gives you a word, you're pretty sure it's going to come to pass, right? Jesus says, hey, let's go to the other side. Jesus just did a whole bunch of miracles and healings, and by this time, the disciples' faith is high. And of course, I will follow you anywhere because you did amazing things. Nothing can touch us. We're going. And plus, you directed us. But isn't it always the moment that God directs you to go, right in the middle of your journey, all hell breaks loose? Amen. Now to me, I'm thinking if Jesus said go, surely it is a straight, narrow path. It's going to be no obstacles, and it's going to be no situation, but you know that's not how it works. Especially you living for God for a long time. That clearly, when God says go, you better get your backpack, your hiking boots, some water bottles. You know, you better get ready for the journey, right? But it says, let us cross over to the other side. So they go over, and here it is, a great and mighty wind begins to hit the water. And the thing about this is sometimes we think that because we're in Jesus and we love Jesus and Jesus is with us, that we are not supposed to have any turbulent situations in our life. But here it is, Jesus, not around the boat, not by the boat, he's in the boat. And a great wind out of nowhere comes so strong, so mighty, that it's moving the water and it's moving the boats. And it's a mighty wind. And they're like, God, we're going to die. How could you leave us here dying with this? And you all know the whole story was Jesus wanted them to go out and use their power. They were just taught in, right? You know that, right? The whole point of the boat rocking and him sleeping was go handle it yourselves. Remember, he's given us power and authority. So he's like, use the power, use the authority. But no, they go back, wake him up. You're going to let us die, which is very mean to say, Jesus, would you let us die? But whatever. And so it's, me but it's, it's moving. It's crazy. It's, it's, it's chaotic. My God, who can remember the crazy chaotic time in your life where the boat is moving and rocking and you don't know when it's going to stop and you have no idea if it's ever going to stop and you feel like it's about to tumble over and you look up to God and say, God, when, oh, when are you going to make it stop? But Jesus gets up and he shows us a lesson. He says that I'm going to show you what to do. I'm going to look at the sea. I'm going to look at the wind and I'm going to say, peace, be still. Only a mighty God can stop a mighty wind. I'm going to tell you that again. Only a mighty God can stop a mighty wind. If you are here tonight and your life is rocking and going out of control and bobbing back and forth and you don't feel like there's any remedy, let me tell you this. Stand up and say to that storm, peace, be still. There's a mighty God with mighty power on the inside of us, and we can cause situations to calm down if we open up our mouth and say, peace, be still. Pastor taught a while ago that saying peace be still literally means stop. That's enough. We've got to be able to be bold enough, people of God, to go into the middle of our storm and tell the enemy, stop. That's enough. You better come on down in the name of Jesus. This mighty God that lives inside of me can cause seasons to shift, can cause winds to stop, can cause seas to be at peace. It's the mighty God that's in us. And of course, the Lord, the word says that he's an everlasting father. John 14, 1 through 9 talks about him being the way and the truth and the life. And let your heart not be troubled. You believe in God, you also believe in me. There it is. If you believe in God, you also believe in me, Jesus. If you believe in God, you believe in him. When I first got saved, I'd get it confused. I didn't understand. Was I praying to Jesus? Was I praying to God? Was I praying to the Holy Spirit? You know, it's three in one, right? Trinity, it's three in one. It's all the same. Got it? We, we believe in the Trinity at Kingdom. Praise the Lord. 
okay? If you say God is Jesus, say Jesus is God, Holy Spirit, praise the Lord. It's all, it's all together. Mm-hmm. Yes, all right, amen. I can't wait to teach this in like a discipleship class one day. But here it is. Yes, amen. It's three in one. So when, if you see God, you see Jesus. You see Jesus, you say God. God is, Jesus is God in the flesh. Jesus is the word of God walking around. The word of God is God. God is the breathing word. It's all connected, okay? All right. So then it says this, the Father's revealed in John 14 and 7. If you have known me, you would have known my Father also. And from now on, I'm sorry, and from now on you know him and have seen me. My whole point of this is it's all connected, people of God. He is our everlasting Father. When they prophesied that he will be mighty God, Prince of Peace, all that everlasting Father, we're not saying Jesus is the Father, but Jesus is the Father. All right. And Prince of Peace. Mark 5, 25. Because of time, I won't go deeper into that. But I love, that's the kind of stuff that makes my mind be like, man, you know, what came first, the chicken or the egg? I don't know. But I can think about it all night long. I guess the chicken came first because God created the chicken. That just solved that problem. My God, look at Revelation. Tell your neighbor the chicken came first. <laughs> Prince of Peace, Mark 5, 25, 35. The Prince of Peace. You guys know the story, the one with the issue of blood. Now there's a certain woman who bled for 10, 12 years, suffered many things. Physicians couldn't help her. She says, if only I can touch the hem of his garment, I'll be made whole. Immediately when she touched Jesus' garment, tell your neighbor, immediately, the fountain of blood dried up, Right? She felt in her body she was healed from the affliction. Jesus, immediately knowing in himself that his power had gone out, turned and said, who touched my clothes? His disciples said, it's a whole bunch of them touching you. We don't know Jesus. And he looked around to see who did this. And it was the woman, fearing and trembling, knowing what had happened to her, came down and worshipped him and told him the whole truth. And he said, daughter, your faith has made you well. Go in peace and be healed of your affliction. Jesus is the Prince of Peace. He tells her, you're healed. Go in peace and heal your affliction. Remember, she felt something in her body happen, right? She felt in her body that it was done. Only a woman, women, only a woman knows when that stops. Okay? That's why we need women only. Get y'all out of here. She knew immediately that it stopped. And then Jesus says, your faith has made you well. Praise God for that. But here's the kicker. Go in peace. He's the prince of peace. Go in peace and be healed of your affliction. Go in peace and be healed. Your peace equals your healing. I'm going to say that again. Our peace equals our healing. Healed of the affliction. Faith has made us well. We got to keep our peace so we can continue on our healing. Amen. Word of God tells us to hold our peace, right? Which tells me our peace can get away from us. But we have to hold our peace so we can continue to walk in our healing. Okay, I'll take it away from physical things. Let's talk about marital issues. Since mine are healed because pastor's home. Praise the Lord. Anyway. Okay, marital issues. Oh, this is good. Thank you, Holy Spirit. I share with you very openly and transparently how to hold my thoughts in captivity, right? But because I held my peace... My peace that God is a healer, my peace that God is a restorer, my peace that God's made us new creatures in Christ, my peace that I love Jesus, my husband loves Jesus, I held that peace, I could continue in my healing from adultery. Amen. That's good. 
But had I given in to those, cap those thoughts and didn't hold them captive, and I would have let go and became the crazy Kelly, which nobody in here would like, I would have let go of my healing and I would have reverted back to the damaged, injured woman that I was so long ago. But when you hold your peace, you hold your healing. Hold your peace, hold your healing. Amen? He's the Prince of Peace. Come on, give the Lord a hand praise for that. So again, the Word of God tells us clearly the purpose of Christmas, Isaiah 9 and 6. For unto us a child is born, a son is given, the government, the kingdom of God's on his shoulders. God, Jesus, backs the kingdom. And his name will be called Wonderful. We are Christians. We believe in one. We believe when strange things happen, it's a good thing. Amen. We believe, okay, I'll give you a story before I close. I was driving one day. It was raining. We all know people that live in Arizona from Arizona cannot drive in the rain. I am one of those people. Amen. Somebody's like, yes, Jesus. It's true. It rains three times a year. We don't know. So I'm driving very fast to work, which I'm working on today still, but I'm driving to work, and I put, I, I, the, the light was yellow, and I was going to go, but I thought I probably shouldn't, and I hit my brake too late, but the, the, the car, when the floor is wet, it can hydroplane. Did you guys know that? like fast and furious you know like you hit the brake and it somehow the tires don't grip the top the road and you hydroplane and that's what I did I tried it but I like spun and as I'm spinning I see a semi coming straight toward me and I'm like oh Jesus I didn't say that but I'm trying to sound spiritual so <laughs> grace so as I'm getting out the way, I'm, you know, I'm bracing myself for the truck, and all of a sudden I look up, I'm, I'm, I'm good, the truck's gone, another car stopped because he pulled over to see to help, and we both looked at each other like, how, how did the truck miss me? How, how, did that, how did that crash not happen? But because I'm a believer, I said, oh God, that's strange, but my God is good. He's wonderful. He's wonderful. And the other man was, how in the blank did that not happen? See, he didn't, under, he didn't get it. But when we believe in God, when miracles occur like that in our lives, we know that it was nothing but the hand of God. An angel came down from glory, pushed me out the way, made the thing stop. I don't know what he did, but God somehow intervened. It's strange. It's weird. But I know it happened because my God is wonderful. He's wonderful. He's counselor. He's had counseling sessions with us. And you all know if you're honest, we'll tell the truth that you said it was this, this, is this. And God said, oh, no, sweetheart, grow up. Has Jesus told you that? Get a grip, Kelly. I'm like, Lord, that doesn't sound like angelic voices. One time I was praying, I'm like, oh, God, this is so terrible. I cut my hand and my arm was open. I was on my way to get 76 stitches on my arm. That's why I wear bracelets all the time. I've got a big old scar. But at the time, they thought I was going to lose my arm, and it was open. And they were talking about aerovacuuming me to the hospital because they had to save my hand. And I'm in the back of the ambulance saying, oh, God, I don't want to die. And God says, you're not going to die. <laughs> he was being my counselor. <laughs> Chill out. Okay. Mighty God. He's mighty. Everlasting Father. He's our Father. Thank you, Jesus. Prince of Peace. He's the one that's going to allow us to hold our peace so we can walk in our healing.
If we remember all these during this season, remember all these during this time, talk about it during Christmas, bring it up to your kids at the table and explain to them, hey, we love Christmas, we love gifts, we love hot cocoa, come on, Jesus. But really, this is why. Talk about it. Let it be a discussion point in your house. And find examples in your own life of how God manifested himself in all these ways. And then on Christmas morning, say, Father, thank you for sending your son to be the greatest gift to us. If you believe in this word, come on, give Jesus praise. Hallelujah. Come on, he's good. He's a good God.